Today we're finishing our series on 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. We've been talking about spiritual gifts. And let me just start by giving you a recap of what we've covered. In chapter 12, Paul taught us that God gives each member of the church, that's each of us, God gives each of us spiritual gifts to to benefit others, to help, bless, and encourage others. But the church in Corinth, it seems, had been pursuing spiritual gifts more than love. So just to lift themselves up, to exalt themselves, I guess, is what was going on. And so Paul probably shocks them in chapter 13 by saying that spiritual gifts accomplish nothing unless they're pursued in love. That's chapter 13. And then chapter 14, we saw, Paul's coming to a conclusion, and we'll see it again as we wrap it up now this morning. Therefore, emphasize prophecy. Have tongues be interpreted and do everything decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And today we're looking at the last section of chapter 14. This is verses 26 through 40. But before we dig into this passage, I want to give you another illustration of how God is using spiritual gifts to bring benefit and blessing to Grace Church. So a little while back, one of of the men in our church felt like God was putting on his heart that he should share with the church that God is calling some here to step up into leadership. That was the the simple word God gave him. He obeyed and and came up here and he shared that, that God God is calling some of you to, to step up into leadership. And one of our young men, I just learned this week, as, as the person sharing that word of prophecy is really what it was, this young man said that it was like God was talking directly to him. I'm calling you to step up into leadership. And so he responded and he is now moving towards leadership. So that, that's just a beautiful way that God works. Imagine that the person who shared that spiritual gift had decided not to and the benefit that would not have come to the other person in the church. Do you see how that works? That's what God is doing and wants to do even more through spiritual gifts. Every one of us is crucial. If we at Grace Church are gonna receive everything God wants to give us, Friday mornings, in our home groups, and as we're together during the week, every one of us is crucial for this. So let's dig in. Verses 26 through 35, Paul answers this question. How should we pursue spiritual gifts in our gatherings? And he answers that with four commands. There's four answers that he gives. The first, in verse 26, is that we should allow many to share spiritual gifts for the building up of God's people. Look at what Paul says, verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Now, many of us are used to church gatherings in which you would have just a few leaders ministering, like the the worship leader and the the preaching pastor, maybe, for example. And that's good. We're going to keep doing that. But in this verse, Paul says there should be more. 
not just one or two or three leaders, but many, many participating, many involved. So we should allow many to share spiritual gifts for the building up of God's people. Notice that phrase in verse 26, each one. Now it's not that every single person on a Friday morning is gonna have a spiritual gift to share. We would not be able to do that. But the point is many, 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 more than just one or two or three, not just the pastors. Every part of the body of Christ will receive spiritual gifts to build up others. And Paul gives a partial list of what these gifts might include. He mentions a hymn. So maybe during the week, as you're seeking the Lord, as you're seeking his face, as you're worshiping, God impresses upon you. Read the first verse of that song Friday morning, 10 o'clock, so the whole church will be benefited. And so you, whoa, just kind of sense the Lord putting this on your heart, it's strong, it's like, okay. And so you do that Friday morning and afterwards people walk up to you and say, thank you, that's exactly what I needed to hear this morning. That's how God works. Next, Paul mentions a lesson. So God might, during the week, stir your heart as you're reading the scriptures to share a simple truth from a verse in the Bible. And then when you share that, again, you will hear people share how encouraging they were. It's like last week, Taruna shared a scripture at the very end of the service, and her husband told me afterwards that many of you came up to her and said, thank you, that's exactly what I needed to walk away with this morning. That's how God works. So we've got a hymn, we've got a lesson, Then he mentions a revelation. Now the word revelation is a broad, broad category. That can include really anything that God puts on your heart to share. It could be a prophecy, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, just broad category. So God might maybe impress upon you. Maybe you wake up and you're you're getting time with the Lord Friday morning before we come here at 10 and God impresses upon you. We need to pray for one of our sister churches here in the UAE. And so you might share that with us. This is what God impressed upon me. And we might take time in our service here to pray for that sister church because they have some need that maybe we don't even know about. Or God might bring to your mind, there's someone here who is really struggling with fear about losing her job or his job. And God wants to tell you, Isaiah 41.10, fear not, I am with you. And so you share that and that person who hears is like, oh, they just God's talking right to them, blessing them, encouraging them. That's a revelation. He mentions a tongue. Now, some of us are from backgrounds where we've heard that tongues are no longer being given. If that's your background, we love you and would just encourage you. We we covered that at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 as to why we believe those gifts are still being given. So you can listen to that or check out online or whatever, but we do believe God is still giving the gift of tongues, which is simply you're enabled to pray in a language you've never learned, which builds your faith up and then if like, God impresses upon you to share a prayer in tongues here Friday morning, that's because he wants it to be interpreted. And when it's interpreted, others will be blessed. And that's the last item on the list. He mentions interpretation, where God gives you the interpretation for the prayer that was prayed in tongues. And as you share the interpretation, we all then are able to pray that prayer, because now we all understand what it was, and in praying that, we are gonna be blessed, we're gonna be strengthened, we're gonna be built up, it's gonna be encouraging. So that's a partial list of the kinds of gifts that God gives here. Now, this is not a sharing time, in, in the sense that we're not thinking, well, what would be a good thing I could share this morning? 
No, this is where God impresses upon you that there's something that he wants you to share. You sense his presence. This is not just you coming up with a good idea. This is God bringing something into your heart. And then when you share it, you see that others are built up. Now, at the end of the message, I'm going to share some specific ways in which we're going to seek to be pursuing that more. But that's the first command that Paul gives here. We should allow for many to share spiritual gifts for the building up of the body. The second command he gives is he, he goes deeper into how tongues should be shared. And what he says is we should allow two or three to pray in tongues followed by interpretation. That's verses 27 and 28. Look at what he says there. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Now, how can you tell if there is someone to interpret? That's the million dollar question from these verses. And it must be because we know of someone in the, in the home group or someone in the church who has received the gift of interpretation before. That's how we would know. And if we don't know, then we could simply ask. Anybody here have, have received the gift of interpretation before? In fact, just out of curiosity, let me, let me ask you, how many of you have received a gift of interpretation before when a word of tongues was spoken? I would just love to see. Okay, one, two, okay, three, a couple, all right. Let's be praying for more. Praise God for those who are here. Um, remember a few months ago, I, I brought a word of tongues here just because I knew that some of those individuals um, were here and God brought an interpretation. But that's how we want to operate. If, if tongues are not interpreted, remember we spent the whole Friday about this last week, the first part of chapter 14. If there's no interpretation, that's just between you and God for your own upbuilding. If it's going to be public, then we need to have it be interpreted so we all get built up and we all get strengthened. That's what Paul is saying here. So if, if there is no one to interpret, then you would just have it be a prayer between you and God silently. That's between you and him. You're praying in tongues just between you and him. You're blessed, you're benefited, you're built up. But if there's no interpretation, then it's not shared with the whole. That's what Paul says here. So that's the second command, more about how we should have tongues be shared. The third command is how prophecies should be shared. And Paul says we should allow two or three prophets to speak and the rest of us weigh what they share. That's verses 29 through 33. Look at what Paul says. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So don't just keep going on and on. Wrap it up. Somebody else has one. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. It seems like the church at Corinth uh, would, would have like lots of people all at the same time praying in tongues or, or bringing prophecies. And so Paul says, one at a time, each gift 
is important. Not just a big confused jumble, but one at a, a time. Each gift is crucial. So he wants us to have them shared one by one. And the reason that we can do that is because, as Paul says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, which means that the people who receive spiritual gifts aren't in a frenzy, they aren't out of control. The, the spirit was just on me so strong that I just couldn't stop myself. No, that's not how it works. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophet's own self-control, so the prophets can decide when to speak or when not to speak. Same with those who bring a word in, in tongues. So what we should do is allow two or three prophets to speak, and after each one speaks, then we, the rest of us, weigh what is said. Now, how do we do that? Well, if there's nothing unbiblical about the message, if it, if it falls generally into the parameters of what scripture teaches, then, then we're just all saying, Lord, is that something you're saying to me? Like, just heard that you're calling some of us to step up to leadership. Are you calling me to step up to leadership? And if the Lord is impressing that upon you, he will impress that upon you, you'll know. So we weigh what is shared. Now, if there is something shared that's unbiblical, then one of the elders, I'm pulling this from other passages by implication, one of the elders would, would come up and as graciously and as gently as possible, thank the person for sharing the word of prophecy, say something like, you know, maybe it didn't come out quite right, but we just want to clarify what the Bible teaches is, is this. So thank you for sharing, but let's just be clear on what the Bible is saying here. We want to Bless the person who shared, appreciate their bringing it, but we want to make sure that we are not having any false truths being communicated here. Does that make sense? So pray for the elders, right? We would need grace and wisdom about that, but understand we are responsible before God for what happens here, and so we would, if something was shared that was not biblical, we would, as gently and as lovingly as we can, um, bring correction to that. Okay. And the result of that is all will learn and all will be encouraged. So there's the first three commands, okay? So those are pretty self-explanatory. A lot of it repeats what Paul has already said in these chapters. Now that brings us to this fourth command. And this fourth command is one of the most difficult passages in the Bible, as, as far as I'm concerned, one of the top 10 or 20 for sure, for at least two reasons. One is it's, it's not easy to understand what Paul is saying. And a second reason is because it's, it's difficult for especially women to embrace this passage, to love this passage. And I just want to take, kind of set the stage for this passage because one of the reasons, well, let me tell you that what the passage says is that women should be silent in the churches. And we're going to talk about what does that mean? But you can see why it's like, what? But so when we come up upon passages like this, which God puts in the Bible, this gives us an opportunity to do a couple things, which I think are really helpful. And one of the reasons God puts difficult passages in the Bible. It gives us an opportunity to stop and just do what Psalm 46 verse 10 says, to be still and know that God is God. That there is a God who's created everything. That, that the Bible is the word of God, that God has spoken, and that, that God loves us, so we should never, ever 
think that anything that's commanded in the Bible shows that God is not loving, because he is loving. I mean, Mr. Encourage, no passage of scripture should make us think that God is loving. If, if it does, we're not understanding the passage of scripture rightly. How could we ever question that God is loving when to save us, he doesn't say, you've all got to do more good, you've all got to become more righteous, which is hopeless for us, but instead to save us, he sent Jesus to pay for our sins on the cross so that simply by trusting him, we're forgiven, clothed with his perfect righteousness, reconciled to God. I mean, the Father sent his perfect son to the cross, his blameless, sinless son to the cross, the sufferings of the cross, his beloved son he sent to the cross to be punished there so that we could be forgiven. No one should question that God is loving. Nor should we question that God is wise when we read scriptures that are hard to understand. God is infinitely wise and perfectly wise. God created everything, the universe, the solar system, planet Earth, you, me. So God is far wiser than the world around us, than our culture. He's far more wise than we are. And so when we come up against hard passages, we just need to stop and say, you are God. You love us in astonishing ways. You love us. And you are wise. And, and you're going to help us to understand this passage. You're going to help us to accept whatever you say because you are God and we want to trust you. So that's what I've been praying God would do for me this week as I was working on this passage afresh. And I'm praying that God will do that for us as we dig into this passage. So are you ready to read this passage? Okay, I've, kind of, I've warned you. We're all set up now. God is God. He loves us. He's not unwise. Let's read this fourth command. Second half of verse 33 to verse 35. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that women should keep silence in the churches? And there are people who love Jesus, who study the Bible, who believe it means that women should not ever say anything publicly in a church service. Now, that's not, it's not the conclusion that I've come to, but if that is what God is saying, then that's what we should do, right? He knows his ways are not our ways, and there are some people who think that Paul is saying here that women should not ever say anything publicly in a church service. But I don't think that's what Paul is saying for two reasons. Now, let me just be clear. We want to follow the, exactly what the Bible says. If the Bible is saying that, then we're going to obey that. I don't think that's what the Bible is saying. I don't think that's what God is saying here. Let me give you my reasons why, and then you can weigh this. You do some more study on it. Two reasons. One is, Back in chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, which I'll encourage you to read this afternoon, we read that Paul wants women in church services to pray and to prophesy. 
three chapters earlier. <clears throat> so if three chapters earlier, Paul says he wants women to, in the church service, pray and prophesy, it makes no sense that three chapters later, he's going to say women should keep silent through the whole church service. That's clear, right? Just doesn't sound like that's what Paul would say. So then what, what is Paul saying? The second reason is that phrase, be silent, is used twice right in the previous verses. And in each of those places, what it's saying is that women, no, not women, the people that are told to be silent previously should temporarily be silent, temporarily regarding some certain kind of speech. So it's temporary silence in relation to a certain kind of speech. Let me show you both those examples. No, show you what I mean. Verse 28, Paul says, if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So if there's no interpreter, the one who has a word in tongues should keep silent in the church in relation to that word of tongues. It's a temporary silence. They could bring a prophecy later if, they, if God leads them to. They could lead out in prayer later if God leads them to. But in terms of speaking that tongues, they should keep silent temporarily in relation to that word in tongues. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? I hope so. Let, let me give you one more example. Verse 30. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So again, if you're bringing a word of prophecy to the church and then somebody else stands up and is right behind you, then wrap up yours. God's bringing somebody else to share something. So you should be silent in relation to what you're sharing temporarily. You might bring a word of prophecy again later on or bring a lesson or a hymn or, or pray, but in terms of that, what you're doing right then, there's a temporary silence in terms of that word of prophecy that you're sharing right then. So twice earlier in this passage, the phrase be silent does not refer to people being silent through the whole service, but for a part of the service in relation to one particular kind of speech. So those are the two reasons why I don't think Paul is saying that women are to be silent during the whole church service. Okay, so what is Paul saying? Okay, now, now I'm gonna lead us on kind of a rabbit trail here, okay? But we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get home. It's, it's, gonna, it's gonna lead us back home, okay? So just walk with me, because I wanna set the stage for this. This is, it's very countercultural, um, but I think it's biblical. If, if this is, if this is all new thoughts to you, if your head is just kind of reeling at this point, just give it time, study it, pray about it, send the elders questions, let's talk about it. But here's, here's the background. In Genesis 1, we read that God has created men and women absolutely equal. Equal, equally gifted, equally wise, equally loved by God, equally capable of being saved, God creates men and women absolutely equal. Now, much of our world would say, if they're created equal, then they have to have the same roles. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says men and women are created absolutely equal, but God has chosen to give them different roles. I like to use the example of ballroom dancing to illustrate how you can be equal and have different roles. Some of you have heard this before. Let me, let me share it with you again. Picture a man and a woman who are skilled ballroom dancers. The man has a different role than the woman has. He is leading. He is initiating the steps, right? Any ballroom dancers? Okay. 
The woman has a different role than the man. Her role is to respond to his leadership, to follow his steps. Very different roles, right? But the man is not feeling superior or arrogant. And the woman is not feeling inferior or abused. They are both equally involved in the dance, equally important to the dance, equally vital to the dance. They have equal joy in the dance, but they don't have the same roles in the dance. Their roles are different. You see that? It's not because all men are better dancers than, than women. That's not why. Why has God called men have a different role than women? I'm not sure why. It's certainly not because men are wiser than women or more skilled than women. I just like this is how God has set it up. But he has set it up that way. And yet, even though there's different roles, they're still absolutely equal. And that's what God has done. That ballroom dancing picture is how God has set up men and women to function in marriage and in the church. In marriage, God calls us husbands. Our role is to lovingly and sacrificially lead our wives and families lay our lives down for our wives and kids. Lead them with love. And God calls the women to lead, follow our lead. Now, why does God call the husbands to, to take the lead? I don't know why. It's not because husbands are smarter. or just That's what he calls them to. But he does call to that role. And then in church, God calls the men to take the role of what's called elders, because elders lead the church through the authoritative preaching of the scriptures Friday mornings or Sunday mornings in many of your home countries. So men are called to be the, the elders of the church. They lovingly lead the church through the preaching of the scriptures and leading the church to follow the scriptures. It's not that elders are perfect in their interpretation of the Bible. Okay, we are not. Feel free to ask us questions. Send emails to the elders. Why did you say this Friday morning? I don't understand this. We welcome that. You, you, you may help us see more light about the scripture. We're all in this together, okay? But God has called the elders to be men who lovingly lead the church by the authoritative preaching of the scriptures. Now, one reason we say that is because of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This is a long rabbit trail, right? But we're, we're, we're on our way home here. Okay, we're coming back to chapter 14. But look at 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. Very countercultural verse. But a verse we need to say yes to the Lord concerning. Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. And now, the role of teaching, exercising authority is the role of being an elder where you're teaching the scriptures on a Friday morning. Women are called to teach older women, teach younger women, right? Women are very gifted teachers, very gifted uh, expositors of the scripture. But in terms of the roles God has set up, it's the, it's the men who are initiating, leading the dance for some reason. It's not the women and so that's why God calls the, the men to be the ones who exercise authority and teaching over men. It doesn't work if a woman is doing that towards a man for some reason. It's not how God set it up. Rather, she is to remain 
quiet in, in that function. Here's the reason why. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. In other words, it's not a cultural issue at the church in, in Ephesus, which is where Timothy was serving. It's not a result of the fall. It's before Genesis three, it's back in chapter two, God created Adam first. In the Garden of Eden, before sin came, the perfect Garden of Eden, it was Adam created first, loving leadership, Eve created second, following his leadership before the fall, that was the role. And so Paul says, therefore, it should be men who are the elders who have the role of authoritative teaching of the scriptures. And that's also why it should be the elders who bring correction if a prophecy is shared that is not, not biblical. That's why it's the, it's the elders who should share that for the same reason. And that's what I think Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. He's talking about the, the authoritative statement that that word of prophecy was not biblical. Somebody in authority sharing that with the whole church, that's the role of the, of the elders because, because they're men. Now to show you why that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14, I want you to look at this picture of, of the passage. This really helped me to see what's going on here. I believe the first half of verse 29 is being explained in verses 30 to 33. Let me just read that and, and, and you'll see what I mean. Let two or three prophets speak. So there he's talking about the order in which prophets speak. And he says, let the others weigh what is said. But then he goes back to talking about the order in verses 30 to 33. He explains the first half of verse 29 in verses 30 to 33. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So you see how verses 30 to 33 are explaining the first half of verse 29, and then verses, second half of verse 33 to verse 35 are explaining the second half of verse 29. Second half of verse 29 is let the others weigh what is said, talking about judging prophecies, and that's what's being talked about starting at the second half of verse 33. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches when it comes to a public judgment that this prophecy wasn't biblical because that's the role of the, of the elders. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church in that role of authoritative declaring that a prophecy is not biblical. Now, Paul says women can ask their husbands at home. That's simply, if there's a question, it's like, why, why did they say that was unbiblical? And husband and wife can talk together about that. Let's, let's, go, let's, let's go talk to the elders or send an email to the elders or whatever it might be. Single women, I mean, talk to your friends, talk, talk to the elders, right? We're all talking about this stuff together. We're all working on this stuff together as a church body. But when it comes to the authoritative judgment of what prophecies are biblical or unbiblical, that's the role that God reserves for those who have been entrusted to the position of being elders who do the authoritative teaching in the church. Now again, if these are brand new thoughts for you, um, 
I would not expect you just to immediately say, that's right. It's like, well, and, and do more study on this. We do not want you to believe anything just because this is what you've heard taught here. We want you to believe what you believe because hopefully we've pointed out what we think the scripture's teaching and you're studying the scriptures and seeing it in the scriptures for yourself, right? Don't just believe what the elders teach. It's not what Paul would want or what the elders want. You look at what this elders taught and you study the scriptures for yourself and you see what the scriptures are teaching. That's, this is the rock. We're not the rock. This is the rock, okay? Are we clear on that? So do give this time. If this is new thoughts for you, this may take some time for you to process. It is very countercultural. And some of you may be absolutely shocked that we're talking about this this morning. But give it time, pray about it, think about it, study it. Email us questions. New thoughts take time to process. So that's the fourth command, and that's that first section where Paul is giving four commands about how spiritual gifts should be pursued and, and administrated. And that brings us to verses 36 to 38. And here Paul answers a question, why should we listen to him? Why should we listen to Paul? He knows that some at Corinth disagree with him fiercely. And so Paul lovingly but firmly explains why it's important that they listen to him and look at his reasons. Verse 36, or was it from you that the word of God came? Did, did you like bring the word of God to the world? Are you like the apostles where God gave you the word to, so, so you, you're, the, you're the apostles here? No, that's not the case. Or are you the only ones it has reached? Are you the only people who've received the word of God? So you, like you know and nobody else does? No. Then verse 37, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Paul is saying, I'm an apostle, and by God's grace, being an apostle, that means that God has given me the ability to speak truth directly from God, to write truth directly from God. So these words that I'm speaking, these words that I'm writing, these are from the Lord, these are from Jesus Christ himself. So you need to pay heed to what I'm saying because these are commands of the Lord. Very serious what he's saying here. Then verse 38, therefore, if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. If anyone does not respond to Paul's God-given authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ where he's giving the Lord's commands, then that person wouldn't be recognized. Those are pretty strong reasons why the church at Corinth should pay heed. Paul's bringing some very strong correction. I mean, their services must have been just crazy in terms of what was going on there. And Paul is bringing them very clear, orderly direction. And this is why you should listen to what I say. One last question. How does Paul conclude these chapters then about spiritual gifts? Two verses, verses 39 and 40. So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Three steps coming from those two verses of what we want to be pursuing here at Grace Church. First step is this, keep 
studying spiritual gifts. So I know some of us are from a background, maybe where you've been taught that, that spiritual gifts of like tongues or prophecy aren't still being given. Godly people teach that. We love people who teach that. That's not our conclusion from the scripture. But if that's your background, keep studying. Again, we want you to follow the scriptures. Study the scriptures, so keep working on that. And, and again, if you have questions, email the elders your questions. We'd be glad to dialogue with you to help you see these things in the word. So keep studying spiritual gifts. Second, earnestly desire and pray for spiritual gifts. Understand what, a, what an amazing verse, verse 36 is. Paul does not just want Pastor Ben and me to be the ones ministering on Friday mornings. He wants many of us to be ministering Friday mornings. You see that? It's a shocking statement, each one. And as I was praying about this this week, I, I feel like some of you here this morning maybe have said recently or maybe even like right now while I'm preaching, I would never stand up and share a spiritual gift on a Friday morning. And, and if, if that's what you've said, God loves you, but he, he wants to challenge you a bit to, to read what Paul has said here, the apostle, and to say, Lord, if, if you stir a gift in me, and if you'll give me grace, I will stand up and share it. So don't say I would never do that, because that's disobeying what Paul has said here. Say, Lord, if you'll give me grace, I will. But I want to encourage all of us, earnestly desire and pray for spiritual gifts, because the more we desire and the more we pray for, the more we will benefit others. And let me just mention again, I hope you see from this passage that, that you might think, well, if I pray for spiritual gifts, what if all of a sudden like, I'm doing things I can't even stop myself and I make a fool of myself? That's not how God works. Do you see that in this passage? It is orderly, it is careful, it is deliberate, it is wise. You can totally control what you're doing. The spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. So secondly, earnestly desire and pray for spiritual gifts. Third, when God stirs your heart to share a gift, share it. Share it. Now, the elders have come up with a few tweaks we were making here on Friday morning to help this happen more. So let me share what some of those are. We're going to continue to give lengthy time to worship in song and to preaching of the word. That's not going to change. But to give us a little bit more time for spiritual gifts, we're going we're to try stopping our stand up and meet and greet time. You can do that after the service is over. That's gonna give us a couple more minutes because we wanna make room so that there are gonna be more sharing of spiritual gifts and more benefit brought. Let us know how that goes. If you like just totally miss the stand up and meet and greet time, let's talk about it. We wanna hear that from you. But we think that this would be a good approach to try and see how it goes to free up some more time. We're gonna start putting a microphone at the floor just we thought that might be a little bit less intimidating than having to come and stand up on the platform. So nice, happy little microphone right there in the center, right there for everybody. And then if you, if you have a gift, if God has stirred you during the week or maybe Friday morning, a gift to share, come up and share it with an elder, me or one of the other elders here, and we will point out where in the service that can go. And then, following the elder's lead, share the gift. I'm gonna encourage you, we wanna encourage you to, to be on the brief side, okay? Just 
exactly what God put in your heart, like this verse, and here's a sentence or two to, to, to bring a lesson from it. This is not time for a lengthy sermon, okay? And we want these to be brief, be, not, to, not to curtail what God has said through you, but, but to allow room for others as well, which is what Paul seems to want to have happen here. So keep as brief as possible. And as we take those steps, studying spiritual gifts, earnestly praying and desiring them, and then when God stirs our heart to share a gift, to share it, great benefit's gonna come to the body of Christ. I, I, I try to think of an illustration. Any of you grow plants and you, you have like plant food, like super grow, okay? Y'all know about super grow? Okay, well super, I'm not a plant person, but super grow makes plants like really flourish, okay? So Jesus says, you are the vine. We're all grape vines and he wants fruit from us, right? He wants fruit. And so the picture I thought was, if it's just Ben and me sharing gifts, maybe that's like each of you getting a liter of, of super grow, okay? You gotta get a liter, that's, that, that's, that's not bad, okay? I mean, we, we try hard, all right? We, okay, it's, we'll, 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 by God's grace, we'll give you a liter, okay? But if a few of us also share spiritual gifts, that might be one liter and another liter of super grow. Think of how much fruit's gonna be born that week. And then if, if even some more share spiritual gifts, that's one liter, two liters, three liters of super grow. Vines are, are growing, fruit's being born. See church, we wanna spread fruit throughout Abu Dhabi. We wanna see fruit born in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, amongst our friends, people from all different backgrounds coming to know Christ, glory being brought to Jesus Christ, and the more gifts we have shared, the more benefit will come, the more fruit will be born, the more glory will come to Jesus Christ. That's what we are all about here. We are in a place that needs to see the glory of Jesus Christ, and this is one way that we can do that. Let's stand, I wanna pray for us. God, I pray that you would help those who are still not sure about spiritual gifts, that you would bring them peace and that you would meet them as they study. I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling with this message about women keeping silent in church or about two different roles for men and women. Maybe that's a new thought. Lord, I pray that you'd bring them peace and comfort, and as they continue to study, would you meet them and, and show them your word? And I pray for all of us, Lord, at Grace Church. We want to bring you as much glory as we possibly can here in Abu Dhabi. We want your name to be raised high. We want to glorify Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you would pour out your gifts upon us Next Friday, home groups this week, as we're having coffee with each other, Lord, that you would pour out more and more and more of your gifts so that we can bear more and more and more fruit to praise and to raise up and to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.